Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew, or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is A-Star Recruitment. A-Star Recruitment are a recruitment company supplying skilled and unskilled workers for short or long-term vacancies across St Helens, Lee, Warrington, Runcorn, Preston and Manchester. Their solutions are tailored to your individual business needs. Their teams specialise in industrial recruitment, tailored recruitment packages, temp to perm after 12 weeks, competitive charge rates, staff within the hour, on-site management and 24-hour account manager contact with no call centres. A-Star Recruitment strive to continually improve their client and applicant service. You can view their testimonial page where they regularly are given top marks. Please visit www.astarrecruitment.co.uk to find out more. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is another one of our Antipodean imports having played for Macclesfield for two seasons. Recently referred to as the King of Pineapple and Vodka by Mr. Jim Melrose, this man has already confessed there is a dark secret from the past he would like to get off his chest. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick Ross. Rossi, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Miles. Excellent. Um, how uh, how are things over in Australia at the moment? Um, look, considering everything that's going on, we're probably in a in a pretty good spot at the moment. You know, we're obviously doing the isolation and we've got a fair few uh, lockdown measures, I think. But just in terms of the overall effect of the, the virus, I think we're, we're pretty lucky considering the, uh, some of the other countries in the UK at the moment. Sure. And um, what's the kind of scale of, of lockdown in Australia? Are you all sort of having to work from home or all the shops shut, that kind of stuff? What, what level are you at? Uh, yeah. So, look, different states have slightly different things. So one of the big ones for Victoria at the moment is the golf courses are closed in Victoria but they're not closed in other states. So that's caused a bit of uproar with the golf lovers of Victoria. But look, most non-essential shops are pretty much closed. You can get like takeaway. You can't sit in at any restaurants or cafes. They're really just doing sort of coffees. And yeah, most people working from home unless you're, you're an essential service. So it's pretty bare bones. Obviously, everything's affecting economy and jobs. And so, but hopefully we're on the, on the way out. I think they're just talking about relaxing some of the restrictions in a few of the different states. So that's hopefully promising. Excellent. To, to be honest, mate, it sounds sort of quite similar to, to, to what we're facing over here. Um, you know, we're in a similar sort of state and um, you know things are just being discussed about some some restrictions and or re- relaxing of restrictions should I say and, and kind of how we get out of it but um, you know fingers fingers crossed for us all and obviously I'm sure everyone in Macclesfield would, would send their best wishes to, to all you guys over in Australia. Thanks mate and, and obviously back to everyone as well. Excellent you did talk obviously a little bit about work and, and jobs and stuff there do you, do you want to tell us what you do when you're not playing cricket? So when I came back from Mac actually I really didn't know what I was going to do and my sister did some marketing work for pharmaceutical companies and my brother-in-law was a doctor and they sort of gave me a bit of a rundown about the pharmaceutical world and I just went to a recruiter and put my resume through and managed to get a job for a pharmaceutical company as a sales rep and I've been doing that ever since I think five years I came up to the other day. Um, so it's just a German German pharmaceutical company called Boehringer Ingelheim. Excellent. And uh, sprechen Sie Deutsch? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot there, Rossi. If you you to come back at me with, with all sorts of German, I'd have been absolutely uh, in, in, a, in a serious pickle. No. So there's there's one bugbear that um, my girlfriend has about the company. We have this statement that's it's called making more health. And she's like, that's not correct English. They've translated it wrong like that 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 doesn't make sense so um yeah, I'm not sure how good my, my German's horrific, but it sounds like their translation is not very good either. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I work um, quite regularly with with quite a few Germans, and, and I do spend a bit of time o- over in Germany. I should actually have only just come back from Germany, uh, but that's a different story. And uh, one of the things that I will definitely agree with you there is that when it comes to translations, Germans can be very literal. I mean, they're quite sort of blunt when they speak English anyway, but that making better health sounds exactly 
uh, like a, a a German piece of uh, serious translation. Yes, correct. Uh, taking it away from work, and and let's talk about some cricket because I suppose that's why we're here. What are your what are your kind of earliest cricketing memories, Rossi? So I must admit, I've I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts recently, and this and this question came up, and I was thinking about this, and I do remember in primary school there used to used to be like a competition for each year level to run out to the oval to like bags the cricket pitch so you your like year level could play on the cricket pitch so we used to wait till like recess and lunch and we'd have like a cricket bat and a ball in hand and it'd be like bell goes sprint to the oval so you could get the cricket pitch so that like your year level was able to play so that was that was one and then look I start I think I started playing sort of organized cricket at about 10 I think and so that was sort of Friday night stuff with just some friends from school one of them convinced me to go down and I started making a few runs and then I think in one of the finals, um, they didn't have retirement. So I managed to make 100 in one of the finals in my first year. And I think once you start making runs, you're going to come back, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, I know absolutely nothing about making runs, as, as you can probably well remember. But um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure making 100 is, is something that, you know, anybody that can actually hold a cricket bat would, would love to do. So, so what what age were you when you, when you made that 100? I, I'm pretty sure it was 10. So because I had two years, I played two years of under 12s cricket and that was my first year in under 12s. So I think it was either 10 or 11 and that was my sort of first foray into cricket and I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I guess we're, what are we? We're 20 years later now, still playing, still, yeah, wondering why, but no, nah, enjoy it enjoy it very very good and um did you i mean i've said this question to quite a few of the you know the aussie blokes we've had on i'm sure backyard cricket was a very sort of prevalent thing for you do do you remember playing much backyard cricket either with with your mates or family or that sort of stuff yeah look i do so the house i grew up in we used to have sort of a big tiled area that went around the backyard and I had a set of stumps that would basically, they just didn't move. And I'd play tennis against one wall of the house. And then I'd play cricket pretty much right near the kitchen and living area. And so every time I hit the tennis ball into the window, mum wasn't too happy. But that that wasn't too much against mates. I think that was more dad because my brother was a fair bit older than me as well. So I was kind of, I was, even though I have an older brother and sister, I was a bit, bit, bit like an only child because they were sort of 10 years older in terms of having someone to play with and throw me cricket balls. So it was more just that, I think, more than anything. And where did you play your kind of early cricket? Um, you talked about obviously playing under 12. So what, what was your sort of first formal club, if you like? Yeah, so that one's that was called Plenty Cricket Club. That was just a local club, not too far from me. And it just so happened that when I was when I was going through there, they were they were really successful in the seniors. They had quite a lot of sort of ex-premier uh, cricketers. So as I was sort of growing up, there was some really good people to, to learn off, which was really nice. And they, they really helped me out. And, and it just so happened that a lot of those guys that played at my junior club actually went and played at Carlton Cricket Club, where I ended up going to play my premier cricket. So I kind of had a bit of a path to follow with some of those guys. And I was probably, I was probably pretty lucky. I look at some of the other, the other clubs that you could have gone to, and I definitely wouldn't have had uh, as good as an experience. And I don't think I'd probably be player I am, which is which is always nice to, to be able to have. Well, taking um, take it away from Australia for a second, we'll obviously come back to you, you know, your Australian cricket. I want to talk about Macclesfield now. First question is, how, how did you come to play for Mac? How was that kind of set up and, and everything like that? Yeah, so there's a guy, um, Brendan McArdle, who has a fair few connections around Premier Cricket, and he sort of hooks everyone up with, with cricket clubs, and I just reached out to him, and he talked about Macclesfield and... He sort of threw a few names out of people that had played at the club, uh, like Evan Golbus, who played at Carlton, Darren Berry, who was my first coach at Carlton, uh, Ian Rigglesworth also played, Nathan Allen, whose um, brother played at Carlton, Mick Allen. A lot of, lot of really good good blokes that I really enjoy spending time with, and I thought if they were prepared to, to go to Macclesfield, it can't be too bad. And so I think that sort of pretty much got sorted out. And I think I liked the opportunity there was the the school there as well so there was a there was a job set up and it sounded like the house was a pretty good uh set up as well because you, you hear a lot of horror stories about people turning up and I, I think um one of my mates that played at toft was living like in a small apartment above a, a pub that was pretty horrific <laughs> he's like i need to get out of here so look it just sounded it sounded like everything that max sort of had to offer uh and the people that were around were, were pretty good and so I pretty much just got in touch with Ben Morrison after that all got all got sorted, and um, yeah, and basically they picked me up from the airport. 
and that's that's how it went and away you went now obviously you, you didn't get to uh, to live in the house of cricket because the house of cricket wasn't the house of cricket at the time so um you didn't you didn't live in in, in beach lane with with bostock and sours and all those other delinquents but i think you live very close didn't you yeah so look i'd almost say that it could have been the the beginnings of the house of cricket because they stayed at the place so often for the, the three years that preceded but uh yeah no so i was just on on Pownall Street, I think, right next to the King's School and the the British flag, the the pub there as well on the corner. Very well known uh, establishment to uh, members of Macclesfield Cricket Club, especially the old guard. I was very close to Sainsbury's, which was handy, so I could get like pizzas and stuff and just heat them up and wasn't too far for a walk into town, which was very handy. Yes, well, I'm sure we'll we'll get to uh, some of your experiences in town later on. Talking again bringing it back to cricket again obviously you were in Macclesfield for two seasons uh, which I believe was the 2013 and 2014 season the first year you came over um, I'm assuming you'd not played cricket in England before so kind of what would you say that the challenges were for you adapting um, you know to the changes in conditions obviously from Australia to wet not so sunny Macclesfield look I'd, I'd actually played a little bit in the UK I didn't exchange to North Scotland to a school called Gordonston. I spent I spent three months up there. So I'd played a little bit of cricket in the UK and that was very cold and very wet. I mean, that's basically like being in the North Pole, let's be honest. You probably should have just played ice cricket. Yeah, so I've, I've heard they play, um, they play like golf at midnight during summer because it's just light all the time, which just baffled me, baffled me at the time. But yeah, very different, obviously, like Carlton where I play fast, bouncy wicket probably not not the same sort of sideways movement not as much turn so I think I think that's always difficult when you when you come across and it's much slower the ball does move off the seam quite a lot and it's sort of like a one day but two day style match which you sort of you've never played oh, like I hadn't played that style of match before and then I think as well just that level of expectation like you're the overseas you need to make runs like there's just just that as well so no, I think that was all pretty challenging to start with and just getting that confidence but I must admit at the time I think I probably didn't start as well as I would have liked and Benno sat me down and was like just be confident mate you just gotta just gotta go out there and back your skills you know you're, you're a good enough player to make as many runs as you want so just go out there have a clear plan and back yourself so I think that was probably the thing that that helped me the most and look I probably didn't have the, as good a season as I would have liked the first year but you know, I think after that I, I managed to get a, a couple of runs towards the end of the year and, and I think that was the main thing just being really confident the way with like if you're going to go forward go forward back go back sort of thing where I was just a bit nervous probably at the time when I first got over there. I mean I don't know if you'll you'll be anything like um, Bert was when I asked him this question but obviously I you know with the pitches you've probably grown up on and played with and, and Carlton as you talk about being fast and bouncy um, I dare say you're, you're more inclined to play off the back foot shall we say and I know Bert um said that he felt in his first season when he came over he was um a little more hesitant to kind of get on the front foot and by the end of his second year he really felt that his front foot players had had come on a lot um especially taking into account kind of lateral movement and just being you know dare I say it forced to play off the front foot a bit more did, did you find that sort of similar thing or was it a bit different for you I don't know what your sort of front foot versus back foot play was like before you came to England look um I, I'd probably say I'm relatively similar in terms of uh, I, I'm not the person to come out and start trying to cover drive early that's probably not my game and I think I probably went from sort of being prepared to play a lot more shots off the back foot to to coming forward and you, I'd probably still play like a cut shot or something but I was actually on the front foot versus sort of going back and trying to play that. So, um, look, I'd, I'd probably say that was, that's pretty true in terms of, yeah, trying to commit forward a bit more. It, you definitely do have to, uh, and that probably comes back to that, you know, real clear plan. If you have that clear plan to get forward more often than not, because blokes probably in the UK, let's be honest, they're not going to bounce you out. The wickets are too slow. And gen well generally, so yeah, I'd say that's pretty true. Actually, what you're saying there, yeah. One anecdote I, w I would like to relive with you. I, you may or may not remember this, but I actually joined uh, Macclesfield Cricket Club um, in 2014, which obviously was your second year. Talking about not <laughs> not getting bounced out because of the slow pitches. I remember turning up at a net session, and um, I, I was bowling. We had the cage out on on you know one of the cut strips, and and I was bowling, and and as as well, you probably 
probably know, I, I don't do a lot of batting and, and I certainly don't enjoy going into the nets and batting because generally people just try to take my head off. <laughs> I've no idea why, but um, and I'm not good enough to get out of the way. So I, I remember sort of bowling in this this net session at the club for like an hour and a half like solid and and you you came into bat quite late on and I thought oh you know still feeling okay you know the the Aussie's in I better 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 try and test him you know 13 cricketer that I am um and I, I remember running in and just just trying to bowl short at you and you were just absolutely carving me um and 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 after I'd bowled about four or five balls at you I probably looked like hell and you you came down the the the, uh, the wicket picked up the ball and said Oh mate, you know if 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 you cooked, you you don't you don't have to keep on bowling. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> God's sake! And and I remember it very vividly. You saying, oh, if you, if you cooked, you know, you, you don't have to carry on. You can have a rest. And I was like, oh, bloody Aussie. Trying, I'm trying to be too much of a nice bloke, aren't I? <laughs> I know. Yeah, you. You're, I just made you feel worse. Oh, you're dispatching me. It was it was it was awful. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's my 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 very first memory of of, of uh, mr nick ross but there we go anyway let's not talk any more about my cricket because uh, who wants to listen to that i think it's it's fair to say you know as you alluded to when you were talking about um you you had a slightly better season in your second season which is again something that, that sort of parallels quite nicely with with um with nick Burtis. um do you did you feel any differently in your second season having come back from an australian season and uh, was your sort of mental approach and and, and anything like that different or, or how did you approach coming back for your second season? Oh, I think you just have that level of, I guess, comfort in terms of, you know, what to expect. Yeah, you're coming back to familiar faces. And I think there was a level of, you know, I wanted to try and do really well because we obviously got relegated the year before and that was pretty that was pretty flattening at the time. It sort of felt like the year before we just couldn't do anything right. We sort of, every time we seemed to be close to catching a break, it just wouldn't work out again. So I think it was probably just knowledge, comfort, and then, yeah, just, just being like familiar with the style of, of game that's going to be played. So you know how to approach your innings a little bit better. And then you can just go out and, and execute, I think. That was, that was probably the main thing. And I just really sort of set myself a bit of a goal to try and have a good year and, and try and get promoted and I think probably that desire was was the thing that sort of carried through the most I think. I'd like to um, move on to your sort of stats now for Macclesfield and, and just talk about a couple of games so in in total you've played 52 games for Macclesfield with 52 innings nine not outs scoring 2,159 runs with a high score of 145 not outs um, and you averaged just over 50. I think the thing just to to kind of illustrate the point you were talking about as well, I think it'd be quite interesting just to break down your stats across the two seasons as well. So in 2013, you played 26 games, uh, scored 867 runs uh, with a high score of 145 not out. You averaged 36. But in your second season, you played 26 games again, um, but you scored 1,292 runs, high score of 122, and you averaged 68. Um, and 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 very uh, importantly to mention in your 2014 season um you you scored a thousand league runs dead on a thousand league runs which um for any cricketer in 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 any league cricket i think scoring a thousand runs in a you know saturday cricket in a calendar season is is a is a serious achievement so i think it's really worth kind of noting that but um but yeah 1292 runs in in your second season is um is quite a bit more than 867 yeah no look definitely and and look playing in the division 1 rather than the prem obviously you probably you probably don't play against some of the players that you may you know come up against but um well i thought i thought the the competition was still it was still really good and it was a real challenge so no I was I was yeah that was it was nice to have that to have that bit slightly better season in the second year well I don't I don't think you should uh, try and lessen your accomplishments mate a thousand runs do not get themselves as um, as I can certainly attest to <laughs> look move, moving on I, I want to talk about a, a couple of uh, a couple of games from the time that you were here and I think the first thing to, to point out in your in your second season you were actually captain um, and kind of how, how did that come about before we get to the games actually well there's, there's probably a couple of things i think um we got we got relegated and probably no one really wanted to do it um, <laughs> if i'm being if i'm being brutally honest and i think you know there's it, it's it's difficult you know if you're if you've got family or work or anything like that and to to put that level of commitment in and i think 
the club were probably probably pretty lucky having I think Bar- was how long was Barney the captain for prior to Benno? Oh, I I want to say maybe four or five seasons possibly yeah i mean i could be completely make it it, it was it was certainly more than two or three i i think he did four or five but i could be wrong and so for all the stick everyone gives him you know he um he 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 probably he put in a lot to the club and he, he absolutely loves it so um and it, it takes a lot of time and effort to because when you're the club captain yet there's a there's a lot that goes on so um you know, I think there was a level of, you know, people probably it was difficult to find someone that wanted to put that level of time in. And um, I'm also a pretty nice bloke. And I think I, I sort of got put in a position, well, you know, who's going to do it? And, you know, when there's a bit of a silence, I kind of was like, well, I can do it. You know, I'm not going to do much else, am I, next year other than play cricket? So I'm sure I can captain the club. Excellent. Well, and, and captain you did. So so the first game I, I want to talk about is from uh, your second season. So this is 2014, the 21st of June. And this is Macclesfield's first 11 versus Davenham first 11. Davenham won the toss and elected to field. And Mac posted 299 for seven declared in 44 overs. Yourself, you batted number four that day. Do you remember much about this game? I do. I do remember this one. I think it was quite a nice day and the wicket was pretty flat. They sent us in. I think I think they were doing okay in the league at the time. And I remember Benno came out and started like creaming this bloke. I think he used to play like junior Cheshire against him. He was like a medium quick sort of bowler that got a bit angry throughout the day. And um, he just liked to bump him through. And so we sort of got off to a bit of a flyer. And then I think me and Wardy put on quite a big partnership. And I reckon Wardy threw away 100. Pete Barron and Ben Morrison opened the batting that day, yeah, very much so, with uh, Bazo getting 25 and then Bimo uh, getting 29, which, which as you said, brought yourself and Wardy together. Uh, dare say it was a big partnership because you you scored 122 and, and Wardy got 76. What do you what do you remember, um, if if anything, about the sort of bowling you faced that day and and uh, getting to the hundred? Yeah, look, there was two bowlers I remember. They had a, a left arm offy, um, who was who was pretty good. I think he was um, he was just sort of a nice little on the spot sort of bowler and he bowled a lot of overs and then I, I do remember that um that quick that opened the bowling and as the day progressed he just got angrier and angrier um <laughs> and the wicket it was pretty flat there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of bounce in it but he really wanted to try and get everything out of it and I don't think it was helping you much um and I think it was, it was pretty flat by the end of it but um yeah I think we I think it ended up being pretty close in terms of I don't think we got him out quickly I think it went right to the wire, the actual game, though. Yes, it certainly did. So, as I say, Mac posted 299 for seven, uh, declared a 44. Um, do, you, do you remember making the declaration? Um, did you just feel that you had enough runs or did you have anything in mind with that? Oh, look, I think I think we were, yeah, we were going pretty well. And I think we just said, let's try and get as many as we can and declare early because I don't think we thought they were going to make the runs. If we batted, because is it, how many overs could you normally face? I sort of forget now. Is it like, was it meant to be 50 a, 50 a side or 55 a side? I think I'm right in saying that because it was first division, I, I think it was 50 overs. But I think when you're in the Prem, it's, yeah, it's, it's 55. But before that, it used to be that you could bat five overs past that but you lost batting points if you chose to because there's someone told a really amusing story about um barney trying to declare and and Goldis ignoring him to try and get someone to 100 and then <laughs> he ran himself out uh, anyway move, moving moving on um I, I i'm pretty sure in first div at this time it would have been 50 overs so i, I you either declared you you either gave yourself an extra six or an extra eleven, one of the two. Yeah. No. Look, I, I think um, look in terms of we were we were going along really well, and I think we just got to a point where we thought, you know, that's that's enough runs. I don't know. Did I just go out before we declared? Is that what happened? Does it say that on the score? <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I went out and I thought, let's 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 pack it up, boy. Uh, it's very very key to point out that Rob Porter got a, a two. Um, a crossy came in and and whacked a few, and then Leroy uh, didn't trouble the scorers too much. Curly got a few, and and Tatey had a couple. So I, I assume um, you must have sort of declared when you got out, as you so succinctly put it. Um, but in in reply, Dave. Them were bowled out for 256 in the 53rd over. Um, 
Um, is there much you you remember from their innings? Obviously, you say it was it was quite a tight game. Yeah. Oh, look, I was, I was trying to think about this, and I actually think I did start to get a bit nervous because I think their seventh or eighth wicket were just getting really annoying, and we just couldn't we just couldn't break through. And I was getting a bit nervous that they were going to hold on. But I think if I remember, I think Tady got the last wicket, and I think we were pretty um. We were pretty happy with it. So it was it was more stressful than it should have been. That's all I can say. I think the other thing that I should um, point out is that you did get a run out that day. You ran out um, number nine, John O'Sullivan, uh, for four. So you obviously... Probably the uh, best run out we've ever seen as well. One hand pick up, <laughs> one stump, something like that, I'm sure. Oh, God. I'm, I'm sure it was a massive mix-up and you underarmed the ball <laughs> into the keeper, let's be honest, didn't you? Uh, a high chance, a high chance, but I'll take that. I don't get any wickets bowling, so I need to get the run-outs. I'll tell you one thing that I'm absolutely mortified about, or I was temporarily. I'm looking at the scorecard as we speak, and for some reason, James Cross is accredited with the wicket of number three. And I thought, oh, my God. Rossi cannot have given James Cross a bowl. Um, but you didn't, don't worry. I, d- I don't know why someone has put that. But for everyone listening, uh, James Cross has an illegal wicket accredited to him. So please subtract that any time he wants to talk about his bowling statistics because he definitely didn't bowl. <laughs> that's probably because that's probably because I had to put this on in on play cricket and I did it wrong. That's probably what happened. Uh, <laughs> don't sell yourself short. You, you know, you, you're burying yourself here. But as I say, Mac ran out winners uh, with, a, with a nice tight win towards the end of the game there with David and Bold out for 2-5-6. Big song, I hope? Yeah, look, I, th- I think so. I think it was, um, I think that year we, we enjoyed the song because we didn't get many the year prior. So sure. I think it was, um, everyone was pretty sweet uh, as time went on. So it was... No, it was good. It was good. Now, the next game, this is not something I'm looking forward to discussing, Rossi. Not because I don't want to talk about your contribution, but it involves talking about <laughs> the pig lover himself, Dave Bostock, because as as was or has been mentioned in a number of instances on the podcast already, mm. Dave Bostock found himself in the first team. I had a feeling this would come up. Yeah, I, I'm re- I'm reluctant to, so just say the word and we'll, we'll cut it. But uh, 12, 12th of July, 2014, um, this is Macclesfield first team. Yes, you heard that correctly, first team. Uh, versus Cheadle Hume first team. Cheadle Hume won the toss and elected to bat, posted 208, seven off their 50 overs. And in reply, Macclesfield just got over the line in 49.1 overs, um, posting 209 for nine. Now, the, the really important thing to focus on firstly, Rossi, is that on this particular day, you batted uh, number four and you scored 91 not out. And all joking aside, um, as much as I, I do like to, to, to point the finger at Bostock here, a couple of people have talked to me about this game and said um, how well you batted um, in this particular game. Do you What, what do you remember about, about the game before we get into burying Bostock? Look... There was a big build-up to that game because of selection. Um, <laughs> You're telling me. Please talk me through that selection meeting. Oh, my God. Uh, um, no, so, look, I think we had a... Look, I, I thought we had a really strong side. Apart from Dave Bostock, please clarify that. And the and the thing with the side that we had is... Yeah, yeah correct. But um, we had so many all-rounders and we just had so many options with both bat and ball that it was... I think it was just at a point where if if we're bringing someone up and it's a batsman, they're probably going to bat at almost nine. And if we bring in a bowler, they they might only bowl like two overs or something. So we're kind of, we were just sort of, I mean, I sort of came to the conclusion that, you know, someone that was just going to give some good energy, that was going to field, that was just going to love it, that was going to be a good person to be around the group and um, that was going to be okay. We, we, I was sort of hoping in the back of my mind, what, what, what do they call it, a TFC? A thanks for coming? TFC, yeah, TFC. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> Dave Dave Bostock, for, for my money, is the creme de la creme of TFC. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, because there's some good young kids in the twos and I, I didn't really think it was going to help them by batting at nine or, you know, where they could bat at three in the twos and make 60 and then actually push for it for a better spot or something like that mm-hmm. so yeah i i made the decision you know to to choose to get david bostock into the side and i'm not gonna lie there was there was a few people in the side that were not happy with it they thought it wasn't the appropriate decision to make and i'm not gonna lie 
as the batting innings kept going and I was out there and it was getting closer to him batting. Oh God, it was, it was tough on me. What have I done? <laughs> oh, I just, I couldn't handle. And I think that's probably the reason that we got over the line and I batted well, because I couldn't handle the fact that if something happened and I, and I selected someone <laughs> that, uh, that we lost the game because of that. So, but no, I will admit, I, I listened to David Bostock's episode and he will, he is correct. His cover drive. I still remember it. It was oh it was baffling to see. It was so unexpected, but we managed to get over the line. I don't think Cheadle Hume were, were that happy because it was a close game. But all's well that ends well, and it's a great story now. And and to be fair, not not to jump to the defence of Dave Bostop, but the only thing I would say is that as much as you you may have been out there, you know, thinking, oh God, oh God, what's going to happen? You know, getting closer and closer to Dave Bostop batting. I think it would would be only fair to 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 mention that you may may be able to point the finger of blame at some of the other batsmen or players in the first team that day who didn't do the business and and therefore exposed Dave Bostock. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So it's never the number 11's fault, is it? Well, no. I mean, in in this instance, no. I don't think it would have been. Um, however, just to just to give a rundown of of, of what went on, um, obviously Mac were chasing 209 for victory. Uh, John Birchall opened the batting with Ben Marsden. Um, Birchie got a 50. Uh, not too much from 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 Ben Marsden or, or Rob Porter. Yourself 91 not out, uh, and then sort of a few bits and pieces from the likes of Parf and. Crossy uh, Tatey with an unbelievable 12. He also saved me that day. He did well. I remember that. Cal in his podcast um, sort of was saying that that, that Tatey was was quite an amusing one, really, because, you know, when he sort of, in his former former years and career, was was an absolutely hopeless number 11. But with a bit of perseverance and some long levers, he actually turned himself into a, a reasonable tail ender. Do you, do you remember any of his... Uh, any of his shots that day? Look, I think there was a couple of good ones and then there was a couple of skews over sort of third man. Um, <laughs> you're never sure what to... It's always hard when you're trying to, you know, give some people some advice like how, how they should bat or, you know, the different situations. And I was kind of like, let's just get through it and hopefully we can get a few. And I think he just started whacking a couple and I'm like, this is making my job easier. So if you want to keep doing this, go for it. Because I reckon he hit a four and a couple of twos and... Uh, he sort of got the runs ticking along again, which um, which did really help because we were we were just starting to struggle. Memory serves. Look, I'm I'm glad Bostock's been able to go down in in the in the folklore history, and he can he can tell this tale for years to come. Folklore history is a bit of an overstretch. <laughs> I think the only person that actually tells this story is Dave Bostock because everyone else is um, too embarrassed or bored of hearing it. That being said, I think I think I've got to I've got to give you the opportunity to just talk us through the last over or two and Bostock joining you at the crease. Do you, do you remember this this combined partnership of brilliance? I do remember that when he came out to bat, he's not very serious very often, but I've never seen a straighter face on Bostock ever. He was like, what, what have we got to do? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. Just place. Yep. Okay. So he was just, he was very straight down the line very nervous and I was almost riding every ball that he blocked I don't, I don't know how many he faced and I just sort of knew that if I faced the ball I was going to have to try and score as many runs as possible I can't remember <laughs> do you know how much the partnership with him was do we know that or not unfortunately the scorecard is is a little lacking in in detail so I don't know how many balls either of you faced or indeed how many runs were required when you came together so uh, unfortunately I, ca I can't give you that information I, I do remember I, I had to take a few risks towards the end it was it was getting to that point and I just I just didn't want to face him to face too many more balls and I think we got to, was it the last over we got him in yes it was yeah do, 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 do you know or have you got any idea how many you needed when Bostock stro strolled out to the middle I reckon it was about 10 or 12 so I think I had to hit a couple of fours and he got a couple of runs and then I think we got a one off the last, off the first ball, the last over or something. And that was it. And I've never been so happy in my life. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, credit where it's due. Bostock has obviously done done the club a big solid there. Um, more than stepped up to the mark and, uh, and and got the boys over the line. The, the, the last thing I do want to finish on is apparently, and I don't know whether you can confirm this, he, he actually strode out to the middle, had his serious chat with you then went to the non-striker's end and tried to take guard. Is this correct? Oh, that is true, actually. That's... 
I do remember that. Oh, I, I, was just, I was like, you're not basing, mate. What are you doing? Oh, oh God. That, at that point, your heart must have sunk. <laughs> no, nah, we've, we've all done funny things on the field. It, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Dave. David Bostock. Well, there we are. Before we before we kind of move over to some of your your Australian uh, memories, um, are there uh, sort of any other experiences on the field? You know, you, you want to sort of mention before we talk about Australia? Um, oh, look, one one funny one that I remember, similar to sort of what Bostock did. Um, it was a game against Neston. We played. Uh, I think I got some runs that day, and uh, we were trying to score runs quickly. We had, this was in the first year. And we lost pretty badly that day. And I tried to play, I think it was like a little reverse lap sweep. and uh, Or like a little lap sweep, sorry. And I, I got a bit of bat onto it and it hit the keeper and bounced up. And it was actually the end of the over at the time. But I thought I thought it was, um, I thought he threw the ball to the umpire like they'd given me out because I knew I hit it. And so I started to walk off. And um, I realized that they were just going to the end of their over. Mm-hmm. And so I was like at the edge of the square. And I sort of was like, no one's giving me out here. I'm actually not out. So I started tapping down the outfield. <laughs> like I was trying to find some grass. <laughs> and then and then I just walked back to the crease. And I no one really realized. And then the keeper, they were about to bowl the first ball. And he's like, hang on. And he went to square leg and he's like, did that just happen? Did he did he just walk off? Did he go? And there was a bit of confusion. And um, the umpire's like, we're about to bowl the next ball. It's it's over. You you can't you can't ask that now. And so I was quite lucky then. So we all do embarrassing things on the cricket field. I nearly walked, which would be ridiculous. I um, Needless to say, I'm, I'm sure a few of the Neston boys let you know about it after you did that, did they? Uh, yeah, they, they weren't too happy, but then they absolutely trounced us. So I think they made it. They made the runs in about 25 overs. So it didn't really matter too much. But but no, look, it was it was it was great fun. I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed. I'm just trying to think if there was any other super exciting times. Uh, it was good fun playing the because they reopened the the new change rooms. Yes. Oh, this was actually quite funny because we had Burge playing. <laughs> the big Have you had man. Burge on the podcast yet? <laughs> no, he is he is scheduled to make a very very large appearance. So um yeah. <laughs> so yeah, cuz I remember I opened the batting with him and I think he hit Ronnie Hillaby for a couple of runs early and I don't think Ronnie enjoyed it. Uh no, I can't imagine Ronnie would have found that at all amusing and and no one wanted to go out with go out to him he had the best figures at the club that day it was quite <laughs> funny that was that was a really good day i don't uh, as much as that's a that's a great story I, I don't want to spoil that too much because i'm pretty sure the very big man himself will will want to regale us with that very tale but that's a nice that's a nice little teaser there um that's a very very nice little teaser. look out for it it was a great day so look out for that for burgess podcast then Recent podcast guest and club personality, Pete Langley, has decided to get off his backside for charity. His words, not mine. He has challenged himself to run 100 kilometres in a month, having previously only ever walked from scrum to scrum, and famously only comes into bowl off four yards, when he is allowed to bowl, I might add. He's undertaking this challenge in aid of Parkinson's UK, which is a charity very close to his and his family's heart. The charity supports families in improving the quality of life for sufferers of Parkinson's. Many people will also be aware that Nick Burtis's father battled Parkinson's and passed away two years ago. In the current climate, with cancellations to events such as the London Marathon, many charities have been hit hard, so any donations to this fantastic cause would be gratefully appreciated. You can find out more by searching Langer's 100k on justgiving.com. Now let's take it back to Australia, um, and I think it's it's very fair to say you've got a, a long association with Carlton Cricket Club. What do you do you want to tell us about about them? Really great club. I've played there for since I was sixteen, and I'm thirty now. So uh, we probably had underachieved in the first eleven for the last, I guess, thirty eight years until quite recently when we we got some silverware. Lots of great players. I mean, I think I think I actually I listened to Ports's podcast just before Dan Shupan he mentioned Dan Shupan he played at Carlton mm-hmm. so there's you know we've we've had lots of lots of players from Carlton have gone over and played in Cheshire as well which was um so it was a, it was a uh, it's a good club and I really enjoy it excellent um what there's a few people that I do want to just mention briefly the first person you kind of alluded to earlier was uh, Darren Berry 
um, who's a former Macclesfield uh, overseas player um, and has had a, a long and storied kind of career in cricket. And um, he will be gracing us with an appearance on the podcast in the future, which I'm, I'm very excited about. But um, Chuck, as as he's known, was coach, I believe, at Carlton uh, for for a while. And and certainly, I think when you when you when you were at the club at the beginning of your career, is that right? Yeah, so my first full season at the club, um, Chuck was coach. So I had to play a little bit of school cricket. So I missed a little bit of actual games during that year. But from what I understand, he really created a, a really strong culture at the club because prior to him coming to the club, they were probably underperforming and he really drove the standards at the club. So he started a really strong and prolific, I guess, winning culture. From, from there on in. He was massively influential in terms of sort of turning around Carlton probably, yeah, 15, 16 years ago. As you recent... Uh, I'll try that again. As you... <laughs> As you mentioned, in in recent years, you've kind of picked up a bit more silverware and obviously the club's uh, fortunes have, have taken a big upturn, which is great to hear. Um, our most recent Aussie, a chap called Justin Galliotti, mentioned... Uh, on his podcast that uh, Carlton seemed to have the woods on his club Essendon um he 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 seems to think that you blokes just just beat them for fun is uh, do, do you remember many games and and anything against Essendon so look i'm i'm not going to lie he's very correct there we play for a, a trophy against Essendon called the Paul Hibbert trophy uh-huh. So he played for both clubs and he also played for Australia. And I think he passed away well before his time. And so since that trophy's been enacted, I think they've only beaten the first 11 once. And that was at the start of this year. So in my entire stretch at the club until earlier this year, Essendon had never beaten Carlton in the first 11. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know what it is, every year. So I, I reckon three out of the last six years, we've played them in a final as well. Right. We've played them in T20s. We've played them in every game imaginable. And um, yeah, uh, they they actually just, it's getting, it's, they hate it. It's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. So I think they were quite happy when they beat us at the start of the year, but then we beat them in the finals just before the season got cancelled. Uh, so they, I think they were, they were pretty, pretty upset that that happened again. <laughs> um, well, there we go. And it ends up being, it, it ends up being a bit heated because we're, we, we're quite close to each other. In terms of proximity, it's probably like Mac and Bollington if they played against each other. Sure. We're, we're very close in uh, proximity. So, yeah, I don't think they enjoy it at all. No, well, I got the impression from uh, from Justin talking about it that, yeah, they, they, they have a bit of a mental block with you boys. So uh, <laughs> so there we go. It's, it's nice to get it from, from both sides. And now, to just bring it back to the club yourselves. One of your teammates is actually due to be joining us this season. Um, as our mm. as our overseas, which uh, unfortunately is looking less and less likely. But what what can you tell us about Mr. Jack Matson? Um, look, he's a he's a great young kid. He's very energetic. He always seems to be buzzing around. Uh, he's not blessed with height, <laughs> but um, he makes up for it in in enjoyable banter. And uh, now he's a really good lad. I, I get along well, really well with him. So uh, I think. In the last couple of years, his, his cricket on a whole has really um, stepped up. So I, I was actually looking forward to seeing how he went at Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit it's a bit of a shame um, if he if the season doesn't get up and he, he doesn't get over there. But no, he's he's a great young man, and I think he would have enjoyed it. I'm not sure how he would have gone with the pints, but um, <laughs> he's more if if you're going size of beer to size of man, he's he's definitely much more of a pot drinker than a pint drinker. Now nah, he he. He would have loved it, and everyone would have had a great time with him. So it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's it certainly is. But we 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 still hold out some hope, and uh, we keep our fingers crossed. Um, not not only for him, but just for 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 some form of cricket in general. Um, speaking Absolutely. of teammates, you you obviously uh, alluded to uh, another one of your uh, teammates from from Carlton, who who is a former overseas um, at Macclesfield, uh, Mr. L. Evan Gulbis. Um, he will be uh, coming on the podcast in due course. He was he was very excited to. Uh, to be to be asked to make an appearance and has already been sending me messages about all the things that we uh, we need to talk about and, and some of them are not cricket related. Um, what can you what can you tell us about him? I hope you've got an extra SIM card or SD card to to record the podcast. He he likes to talk. <laughs> Look, no, he's a very good cricketer. I think he enjoyed himself at Mac probably just as much as any overseas ever has. Um, <laughs> made lots of runs. He I think he lived he lived in Barney's place and. 
I don't think Barney killed him, so that's probably a, that was probably a surprise. Yes. But oh, I think he had peroxide tips back in the day, and, you know, <laughs> I can only imagine. It's probably why Cal turned out like Cal did. <laughs> oh, there's there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of material to 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 be asking about Evan about there when when we get him on. So, um, yeah. look, I I now want to do want to take you back to some some cricket again for a bit, Rossi. Um, let's let's talk about your your Carlton stats here. Um, from from what I can see on on my cricket, which for those that don't know is a sort of Australian equivalent of play cricket, um, you have two hundred and sixty seven career matches, scoring seven thousand two hundred and two runs, with a highest score of two hundred and two, and your batting average is just a lick over thirty five. I will mention some wickets. We've not talked about your bowling yet, um, but I, I will mention you you've taken twenty seven wickets uh, with a bowling average of quite respectable twenty two point two, with a best of four for sixteen. I'm actually pretty, uh, and this this hurts me. I, I haven't actually taken a first eleven wicket at Carlton. Those are all in the lower elevens, mm-hmm. and I got I got I got bored on to bowl in one game. And I'm just trying to think. I'm bowling against Chester Broughton Hall, and Warren Goodwin's batting. This is this is my analogy because I was bowling at Carlton against St Kilda, and there's a guy Graham Rummins, probably the one of the top five premier cricketers that it's ever played and he hits a very hard cover drive straight to cover and cover dropped it so it's just like warren goodwin smashing one at cover and then cover dropping it and ever since i've never been able to take a wicket and it it hurts me it hurts me i haven't got one in the first 11 um what you know what rossi i don't actually I don't. I can't, don't think I can remember what you even bowl. Uh, it's probably a good thing. What do What do you bowl? I tried to bowl medium pace, and then I reckon about a year ago or two years ago, I started trying to bowl off spin, then leg spin. So nothing really, nothing of any importance. <laughs> I think I tried to. I think Ben, I thought, oh, maybe the overseas can bowl one game, and it didn't go down well. And so I think we stopped my bowling for Matt very quickly. <laughs> very good. Well, as long as as long as you're better than Rob Porter, that's the only thing I need to know. Oh, it's baffling how he takes wickets, isn't it? Oh, it's just just absolutely disgusting. Anyway, I, I don't, I do not want to uh, talk about Rob Porter, and we're trying to talk about cricket here, not burglary. Um, so yeah, <laughs> seven thousand. 202 runs uh, with a high score of 202. Um, so needless to say, you, you've scored a few runs, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, look, yeah, uh, probably, yeah, did okay, done okay in my time so far. Could You can always do better. You definitely can. But Well, there's, there's a couple of games I want to I want to bring up and, and just focus on uh, briefly. Um, the, the first is uh, a game from the 2016 season, and this is Carlton uh, versus, you know what, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this because I'm going to do it wrong. D-A-N-D-E-N-O-N-G. Oh, Dandenong. There you go. Right, so it's Carlton versus them. Um, and the match was drawn in the end, but uh, they won the toss and Carlton batted first. And yourself that day were batting number five and you made 130, mm. um, which is obviously not not your highest score for Carlton, but I, I did think it was worth talking about because um, you, you faced a, a couple of, pretty decent players that day and i believe one one james pattinson am i correct yes yeah he was coming back from injury and um had to play a couple of games for dandenong so he he only he bowled 10 overs throughout the day sort of split his spells up and so yeah i had to i had to face him and i think they had a palm as well that parkinson he's his brother the left armour. Yes, yeah. But yeah, so I had to actually, I came in just after James Pattinson bowled his first spell and I was quite lucky for some reason. He had to take a rest, I think, because of his injury. <laughs> uh, but then he came back on and bowled a couple of spells later in the day. And I was happy I didn't have to face him right against the new ball early. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah, I was going to say, coming back from injury, I, I assume he was still fairly sharp, though he may not have been trying his, his absolute hardest. I must admit, he... <laughs> I think our number three or number four, he whizzed a few past his head early on, and uh, I didn't. I didn't like the look of it. I was happy to send a night. <laughs> I was happy to send a night watchman in in the in the first session of day one if I had to go in too early. Well, you, you uh, contrary to uh, to what you may think, uh, having having just listened to the the exploits of Pattinson whizzing it past people's heads, you did score 130 off 169 balls. Um, other than you know, trying to avoid Pattinson. What do you remember about about the innings? You said obviously Parkinson was playing, and um, yeah, a good score against a, a decent side. Clearly, yeah. No, look, they're perennially very good. Dandenong. They have both the Siddles. 
uh, sorry, Siddle and both the Pattinsons when Darren was playing as well. So they they've always had a really good bowling attack. A couple other quite good all rounders. So look, it was just a it was a it was a quite a nice wicket at Carlton, and yeah, it was just one of those days. Things just start to come off the middle of the bat early. The biggest thing that I remember is that we uh, we had him nine for in the second innings, and I think it was like the ninety fourth out of ninety six overs, and our second or third slip dropped a catch and that caused us to not win the game and it was Ugh. it was shattering shattering yeah i i mean i'm always kind of loath to pick pick games to review that end in a draw but um i i just thought um you know it's a it's, it's a good score against um some familiar names so mm. worth mentioning um the the other game uh, that i want to feature is is a more recent game and this is from the 2019 season um in which carlton made the grand final against Geelong, who are one of uh, Khaled Sawas's former clubs, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. In this uh, in this particular game, uh, the toss was won by Geelong, uh, who batted first. Yeah, you know what? I think I'll I'll let you I'll let you take it away and, and talk about this game. I think that would be the only only fair and right thing to do. Couple of couple of performances um, from from yourself and and, and Golbis. So yeah, t- take it away. Yeah. So. Yes, they won the toss and they elected to to bat. We uh, we probably would have bowled anyway, I think. So it wasn't too bad. But pretty early on, we realised the wicket was very flat, and they ended up making four hundred and ten or twelve. Which I actually don't think I don't even know if we've ever chased three fifty, let alone four hundred and twelve effectively in my whole time at Carlton, even in my whole cricket <laughs> cricket career. And I. So it was a very daunting task. But look, I think we did pretty well in terms of the wicket was very flat and our bowlers bowled really well. So, you know, we, we came out to bat and I think we ended up being two for 40, two for 30 pretty early. Our openers both nicked out. And so me and the number three, we just really tried to, to lock in. And I probably don't think I've ever been as, as dedicated to, to batting as I had at that time. I was really mm-hmm. very keen to, to try and bat for as long as possible. And I, I think Cal mentioned that Jake Reed, who in, in his podcast from Geelong. Yep. And he was um he was not happy that we were batting for, for a fair while and he was getting very angry. And he was <laughs> he was he was bowling pretty quick and he was trying to hurt us. So uh, but we we did we sort of got through to the end of the day and I'll I'll be honest, I probably didn't sleep that much that night yet. He's so amped up and um I think I only ended up getting a few more the next day and I got 50 and then Gobbler came out after me and oh well that's Evan Golbus for those that don't know and he batted exceptionally well and I, I don't want to steal his story because I'm sure he'll tell you all about it him and a couple other guys just a lot of contributors aside from from his big score mm-hmm. and yeah we managed to chase down 412 and we ended a 38 year drought in the first 11 to to win a premiership um, for the club, so you know the last the last captain that won it was Keith Stackpole, who played for Australia for Carlton. So you know it was a long time between drinks for the club, and they were absolutely wrapped that we got the win. So it was um it's very it was a, a crazy couple of days, very hard to describe the uh, the emotion for the for the people that have been around the club for so long and and just playing in that was that was really it was really exciting, and it was it was something I will cherish for a very long time. Just like winning the league in the uh, for Mac. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I won't, as you as you said, I, I won't sort of give too much of the game away. But um, needless to say, uh, Carlton made four hundred and twelve for seven uh, in one hundred and thirty-seven point four overs to to chase down the the score and and win the grand final. And and Golvis uh, Golvis did make it a fairly big hundred. Um, but we'll 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 leave it at that. Uh, a very very important, I think, contribution from yourself, as you say, uh, fifty off one hundred and forty-two balls. 176 minutes um and in in conjunction with your your, your partner um Smythe, who batted three that day got 61 as well then the the other the other game i thought just briefly i'd let you mention is um talking about silverware you, you managed to pick up a bit this year as well or this season just gone for yourselves uh is this in terms of the the t20 yeah yeah so the the club's been quite successful in the the t20 stuff recently in the, in the same year we won the premiership we won the national t20 tournament so cricket australia created this whole new thing where they fly you to adelaide and they they put up all the all the teams that um, got through their conferences in around australia and then you play off against all the other best sides around australia and then we also won the that that competition the Victorian competition again this year in the T20, the Super Slam final. So, um, yeah, we've been we've been really successful in the in the T20 stuff recently, which is it's been good just to have a bit of sort of that continued success. It sort of really sort of beads on itself, I think, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's 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 very nice to hear. And obviously, uh, long may the silverware continue for you, boys. Let's hope so. And for Mac, that's the <laughs> that's the plan. Absolutely. Well, uh, no, we've uh, we've talked about some cricket here, Rossi. Uh, there there are a few uh, few things I want to bring up, uh, a few stories and and bits and pieces. And I'm sure there might be some some things you want to interject with. Yep. Um, but as I say, now we've got the cricket out of the way. Are there uh, are there any stories you'd, you'd like to tell us about from y- your time at Mac? Well, look, I mean, in terms of my time at the club, look, there's probably one thing I think I should probably get off my chest that I've been I've been holding on to for a while. The the big deep dark secret that you told me about. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so look, I, I must admit, I um when I first got to to the UK, Cal and Benno picked me up from the airport, and they they were driving me up and. They were telling me all about the different people at the club and, you know, Rob Porter, he plays a few gags on people and, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll like, just cut your shoelace so when you go to tie it up, it's gone and then you don't have a shoelace while you're playing and all these sort of little little banterish games and I don't know what came over me. It was early in the season and <laughs> I, was having, <laughs> I was having a chat to Ports and I'm not sure who came up with the idea. It might have been me. It might have been him. And um, I think the twos were going to top, and they had, so they had an away game, and there was one of our bright ideas to, to steal Barney's pad and glove and hide it. And so I think he he drove all the way to top, and he had to get padded up. And reports were he was not a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm pretty sure Barney is is going to um, going to have something to say about this. Is there anything you would like to directly say to Mr. Barney Cutville? Look, ah. Uh... I'm very sorry, Barney, for the part that I had to play in this, and you know, I've regretted ever since. And it's it's this has been weighing on my chest for a long time, and I didn't know the appropriate way to tell him. But I think a public forum like this, when I'm on the other side of the world and there's travel bans, um, <laughs> and Ports, you know, he can I'm sure he can't get to where's Ports live? Not Congleton. What's he? That Malcop or something? Malcop. Malcop, yeah. yeah. I'm sure Barney, there's probably lockdown. You can't get into Malcop at the moment either. So I think we're safe for the <laughs> But I am sorry, <laughs> Barney. I shouldn't have done it. I got wrapped up in being in a new country and it was, yeah, silly decision. But it was a great, it was a great thing that it was quite funny at the time. Oh, no, I, I, that sounds very amusing to me. Um, another, another little story I thought you might like to mention is uh, you, I, I believe you shared a, a holiday with, with, a, with a couple of the reprobates from the club with Mr. Khaled Sawaz and Mr. Dave Bostock. Am I, am I right? Yeah, so um, we, so well, one of my mates was playing at Toft um, from Carlton, Jake Hancock, and my partner was over Bianca. And then Cal and David Bostock also. So we all went to Barcelona together, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a delightful couple of days. They, as as I think they know, we know, they don't do much work, so they thought, why don't we go to another country and not do much work as well? Let's just have fun with the overseas while he's there. He's only there for six months of the year, so let's enjoy it. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of appropriate that we're we're talking about Dave Bostock actually, because I've just received a message from Bozzy, and he's asked me to inform you that you are a wombat. Um, any any response to this? No, it's it's a, it's absolutely true. I think um, I used to run around short and stocky like a big like an Australian wombat. So they just called me wombat for. For two years, that was one of my prime nicknames. So I seem to I seem to gravitate to animal nicknames. I'm not sure if that's a positive or a negative. Better than gravitating to animals like Dave Bostock. So uh, there we are. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, exactly. True. Uh, moving swiftly onwards, uh, Rossi, we're, we're going to come towards the the end of the podcast now. And um, as as with with pretty much all the other guests, we're we're going to uh, we're going to let you let you loose on the quickfire questions and, uh, and and see how you do. So okay, here we go. Nickname Rossi Wombat Bippo Bippo for a baby hippo, as I mentioned. <laughs> uh, a bit of another animal one. Um, what else? I used to get Valentino back in the day for the the cyclist. The, um, but yeah, I think they're they're the main ones these days. Okay, left or right-handed? Uh, right-handed. Bat or ball? Uh, bat. Fielding position? Oh, I used to like slip, but now I'm just happy with mid off, mid on, somewhere <laughs> easy. No pressure. <laughs> Very good. Test or T20? Oh, I think it has to be test, probably. Excellent. Best cricketer you've played with? Best cricketer I've played with? I think uh, probably John Holland. I played mm-hmm. a couple of games with him and he was an exceptional spinner. Exceptional. And it spins spins a hard game to be good at. 
very hard. So he's he's probably up there, I'd say. Fastest bowler you faced? Um, it'd probably be someone like you. Oh, when I was young, I played against Darren Pattinson just a bit before he played for England. Mm-hmm. He was, I don't know if it was just because I'd started in the first 11 or he wanted to kill me. But he was fast, fast, and I did not enjoy it one bit. So I'd say probably him. Quicker than his brother when he was coming back from injury? Well, it just, I don't know. I, it was probably just because I was sort of as nervous as I was, and but it just seemed like the ball was whizzing past my head, like mm. every second ball. <laughs> and it, it was probably more aggressive than fast. Yeah. It made it seem so fast. Messiest in the dressing room. I'm trying to remember it. At Mac, who that look? I'm probably a pretty messy as well, but I think I remember Crossy was pretty messy. He wasn't great <laughs> no, at all. He's he's disgusting. Uh, longest in the shower? Oh, he's a he's a what is? Just Cal, Cal spends a fair while in the shower, doesn't he? Yep, yep. It's been said before. Um, yeah. First thing on your plate at teas? Oh, I think I used to like chicken drumsticks or pizzas. <laughs> they were good. Very good. Uh, drink of choice. Uh, look, there's a couple at Mac. Uh, I enjoyed the Strongbows at the club, but I did my, I didn't, I didn't mind a vodka apple juice or a Malibu pineapple or something back in the day. But <laughs> yeah, you know, something to spice the night up a little bit, you know. So G- Jim Melrose uh, claimed that you were you were a big exponent of the pineapple vodka. Do you, do you think what he was really getting at was Malibu and pineapple? I I think so. When when you said that, I'm like. And I reckon it was right around a phase where I was like, I just, I'd never had them before. Someone bought me one and they're, they're pretty girly. Like I'm okay with that, but they were delicious. <laughs> you are selling yourself uh, very, very short here, Rossi. Um, a takeaway yeah, of choice. Oh, see, I used to love in Mac. Is TPJ still there? Yes. Oh, that was great on the way home. Cause you'd go, you'd be at Ronnie's. And then to, I'd have to walk to Poundle Street and TPJ's was on the way. That was very good. But otherwise, I, I don't mind pizza. Very good. Dance move of choice. I'm just a real two-stepper with a bit of a shoulder, like shoulder in. Like just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Dip in that shoulder. Dip the shoulder down with a bit of a, like a, like a two-step. That's mm. my stock standard. Very good. Keep Sound- it simple. Sounds like dad dancing to me, but you you tell it to the judge. Uh, three dream dinner guests. Who are they? Oh, look, that's a tough one. I think someone like a Nelson Mandela would be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Who else? Joe Rogan. He'd be good at asking questions to some to to Nelson, and he'd have a lot of experience with strange things. <laughs> um, it's true. Who else? I don't know. Who can round out the three, which would be interesting? That's a tough one. I don't know. Who knows? Donald Trump. We'll just chuck that one in there. Oh, you know what? Mr. Trump has appeared a few times on this. I, it's, it'd just be stra- like, I, oh, maybe like Kim Jong. Just to, <laughs> just to actually find out if he's a strange. I hope he never hears his podcast. But like, if he's like as like strange as you could imagine. So you've you've got a rogue Kim Jong. You've got Nelson Mandela, and you've got Joe Rogan <laughs> to ask questions. I'm just I'm just trying to think of people that would like actually be very interesting or like strange to have. I have to say, I think this is so far my favourite three dream dinner guest answer, um, just because it's absolutely rogue. Um, very, very yeah. good indeed. You, you've completed the quickfire questions. Just moving towards the end of the podcast here, Rossi, aims for, yep. um, for the, well, I say this season, for you guys it will be next season, Aim, aims for next season and, um, and, and yeah, just generally cricket in the future? Um, look, I probably didn't have as, as good a year as I would have liked to this year and I had a few injuries this year as well, so hopefully I can stay healthy and, and make some more runs because um, I think we've got a pretty good side and a pretty good nucleus to uh, to have another crack at a grand final. So hopefully, because this year sort of got cut short in the finals, we mm-hmm. we won through, but we, we couldn't just couldn't play. So hopefully we can we can have a good start to the year and, and get through the finals again. That's the, that's the hope. Excellent. And and anything else sort of more broadly from the club's perspective? Oh, hopefully I can keep pumping out podcasts at half the rate that you do, mate, because I have actually started one at the, the cricket club as well. And Yeah, I, I think um, you, you've led me on to that nicely, actually. Uh, I think uh, you've, you've made it sound like you've made it sound like uh, you've started it since since I have. It's quite the opposite. And in, and in fairness, I would for, for a second just like to sort of take the opportunity to say, firstly, that um, Rossi uh, is producing a podcast for Carlton Cricket Club, which I'm sure 
people can find and, and maybe we can get a link put up for those that are interested. But the other thing that I will say is that um, one of the sort of uh, inspirations, if you like, and, and reasons for, for starting the podcast was the fact that I was aware that, that Rossi had been doing this with Carlton. So I just want to sort of thank you, um, you know, quite publicly for, for, for a bit of inspiration there, mate. And um, yeah, would encourage people to go and give it a listen because there's some, there's some great characters and, and a few uh, known names that have, that have appeared, the likes of Golbis and Matson. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely worthwhile uh, having a having a listen as as we all need more cricket in our lives at the moment. But yeah, a, a big public thank you for yeah for a bit of inspiration for for, for creating the Macron. No, happy to help, Miles. I'm I'm glad I was able to be some inspiration for you guys. It's a it's a it's a bit of fun. It's always good in interviewing people. It's it certainly is, and um, and leading me nicely onto that, Rossi. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, so thanks for taking the time to to, to appear on the podcast. And, and any closing remarks before we uh, wrap it up? Um, look, you know, I'd like to say thanks to everyone from Mac for a couple of years. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, my partner Bianca came over, or well, my fiance now, and and she really loved it. it at Mac too, um, you know, there's plenty of characters, uh, lots of great people. So, you know, and, and a big thanks to to Barney for um all the for getting me over <laughs> when I first started. And I am really sorry, Barney. I I hope you can take my sincerest apologies for being a part of anything that probably caused you a lot of grief. On that bombshell, I think we'll end the podcast, Rossi. Thanks so much, and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon, pal. No problems. Thanks, Miles. All the best. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. If you haven't already, please do take the time to follow us on Podbean and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us to grow our audience, and just this week, we peaked as the fourth most downloaded cricket podcast on the UK iTunes chart.